Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at Housing Wire, here with the latest episode of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast. On Mondays, my guest is always Housing Wire lead analyst Logan Motoshami, so we can cover the latest economic news. But before we dive in, here's a brief word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Maverick Solutions, first guarantee mortgage corporation's proprietary suite of non-agency and non-QM products. When you need a lender that can handle the unique needs of today's borrowers, look to FGMC and Maverick Solutions. Whether your client requires flexible income documentation, is a first-time investor, has experienced credit challenges, or needs a jumbo option, Maverick Solutions has got you covered. Maverick Solutions products are available through wholesale and non-delegated delivery. Learn more about Maverick Solutions at fgmc.com slash maverick. First Guarantee Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID 2917, 5800 Tennyson Parkway, Suite 450, Plano, Texas, 75024. Okay, we have a lot to talk about. Logan, welcome to the podcast. It is great to be here, Sarah. Always great to have you on. And we have so much to talk about. I think one of the biggest things and and one of your latest articles was on the bond yields. So so tell us a little bit about what is happening there. Well, the Federal Reserve uh, uh, had their meeting last week and uh, Jerome Powell's presser was very hawkish. And of course, uh, very hawkish typically would mean that bond yields would really rise. But again, for the uptime, we have a very, very difficult time getting the 10-year yield, uh, not only even to touch 1.94%, but uh, to get over that. Uh, level. And this is something very near and dear to my heart for many years. I've, I've talked about this. And in the article we uh, uh, that we wrote, uh, I go in deeper, uh, uh, kind of a deeper dive on why has it been so hard with all this economic growth, all this inflation, the Fed's going to hike five, six, seven times, you know, tapers over. And we still haven't been able to break this. So Again, for me, I'm a bond market guy. I'm a technical guy. And uh, I've always told people, uh, you just need that 10-year yield to break over 1.94% and get uh, bonds to sell off more where yields would go up. And even with everything that happened last week, we're still not there. So I think that I, I, in that article, I really go into why, why do I believe this? Why do I always talk about this? And a little bit more of a deeper dive into we just had the hottest economic growth and inflation data uh, in many decades, and the 10-year yield has always been under 2%. So there's more technical issues at play here. And if you can't get over 1.94%, it's hard to get mortgage rates 4% plus. And also, uh, one of the things that we've highlighted is that uh, we need Japan and Germany 10-year yields to rise, and they have been rising. Uh, and if you're somebody that wants the housing market to kind of get a little bit of a breather to create more days on market, you want to see global yields, especially Germany and Japan, rise, and they have been, but it's still not enough to kind of get us over the hump. And uh, that's kind of the same theme I had. No matter how hawkish Jay Powell was and his presser, he was very hawkish. Uh, still, it just doesn't. We haven't been able to breach that yet. Yeah, and the the um, article you're referencing there is the one called "Will the 10-year yield send mortgage rates over 4%?" Because you know 
we thought, you know, mortgage rates had been going up and, and they're, they're right around 3.5 depends on, on what you're looking at, but um, we still, we're nowhere near 4%. And so I really wanted you to, to dive into that. And you did, you know, the, the subhead there is how to make sense of what's happening in the market, because it is, it's confounding to people when they see everything else going on, why mortgage rates are not going up. Yeah, I mean, w- one of the things uh, that, that we discussed in that article is that in the previous expansion, when the 10-year yield is below 2%, people would be screaming, hey, it's a recession. The bond market is telling you we're going into a recession. Technically, it never was. But um, what had happened is that people were trained to believe that if growth and inflation rise together, rates have to go higher. And historically, people would say mortgage rates should be at 7 8% right now. Uh, and there is some historical reference to that, unless you believe the long-term downtrend. The trend is your friend. The trend is your friend. And the technicals of the bond market, because the demand for our bonds are just too good. And it's just that long-term downtrend is still intact. In fact, you'd have to break over 2.70% on the 10-year yield to, to, to even have that discussion so it's just confusing for some because uh, the 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 10-year yield and the rate ranges is more aligned to what we wrote last year and this year. But I do make a premise that if you really want to see 4% plus mortgage rates to cool housing down, global yields have to rise. Uh, and if it was just based on growth and inflation, that's not working, right? Uh, we, we, we haven't even come close to uh, 2% or breaking over 2%, which historically with this type of growth and inflation you would see. So talk a little bit about the global market there and why we're, why you look at Germany and Japan and what their yields are doing. Well, Germany and Japan are very big economies in the world, but they're also old economies. And that's, I think, the reality is that the world is aging. There's parts of the world where, you know, they're very young, you know, the Middle East, Africa and India, they have a young population growing. But the world just doesn't really can't really create inflation by itself. The global pandemic, like all global pandemics, create shortages and eventually that ends. So you go back to what you're doing and what you're doing is the U.S. is population growth is slowing. Uh, Productivity isn't booming either. So you can't really have a super fast economy that could sustain itself. And the same around the world. I mean, there are parts around the world that have inflation that could have never created inflation. Shortages are very common uh, uh, with with global pandemics, but in time that'll change. That should bring everything back to normal. Question is, is normal the downtrend to get us below 1% on the 10-year yield eventually? Are, or do we actually stay between two to three percent like we did in the previous expansion for for a good portion? We'll see how that turns out. But as of right now, uh, it's just really tough to get the ten year yield over one point nine four percent. So Japan and Germany, you're you're looking you look to their what their bond yields are doing because they're a similar economy to ours, or because well, what's happening the, ours? it's very hard for the U.S. to have its ten year yield go extremely high and have Germany and Japan stay low. It's just that how the bond market works, how the money flow works, it's just that's not going to happen really. There's a big gap between Germany's 10-year yield has been negative for a while now, and so it's recently turned positive. But you need those yields to come up, and that's why I put those charts in there. Uh, You don't really ever hear about anybody in America talking about Germany or Japan's 10-year yields and mortgage rates, but uh, hopefully people could see that, whoa, Japan and Germany, it's not like they're booming economies with young people, you know, uh, booming housing markers or stuff like that, but their yields have to rise because we can't have too much of a gap. 
And that's why I always keep an eye on them. And they have been rising, but just not enough yet to get us over the hump. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, one of the things I really appreciate about this article. Like you said, you really break things down for people. I know that one of your goals is to really explain things so that you're not just, you know, someone that everyone has to look at, but if if they really internalize it, they can themselves, uh, you know, interpret things. So let's talk about what the risk is of bond yields actually going lower. Yeah. Well, for me, it's, 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 I've been consistent on this. Uh, when inventory breaks under 1.52 million, your risk is home prices accelerating too much. And uh, we're in an inventory crisis. And when you have an inventory crisis and you have sub 4% mortgage rates and sub 4% unemployment rates, it's hard to create days on market to grow. Uh, getting the 10-year yield, which we talked about in the summer of 2020 on Housing Wire, if the 10-year-old could break above 1.94%, rates could get above 4%, it could just cool things down a little bit. But if it doesn't, if rates go back down and we're right into the spring and we're at fresh new all-time lows, prices can get out of hand. And uh, I was hoping that the rate of growth will cool down uh, and I do believe it, it is cooling down, but it's cooling down from a very abnormally high level. Uh, somehow we have to create balance. So when I say the risk, it's not like a housing credit bubble or anything's just going to stop. The risk is we get price escalation. And you know, a, a realtor friend of mine's I just uh, saw in one of her posts, thirty-one offers. You know, that's you know, so crazy. And, and it's just, and it's not like the, it's not like we have a booming demand. Uh, a housing market in terms of sales just bursting higher, like we saw from 2002 to 2003 or 2002 to 2005. We have very stable replacement demand, but this is a, this we've never had this raw shortage of homes for the existing home sales market. And this is why it's been a big theme of mine of raising the red flag on this. You don't want this. You want a balanced market. You want days on market to be 30 days more. You want something where people have choices and more relaxed. This, this uh, boy, to me, again, the risk is if rates go down right when spring comes and unemployment rates are low and everybody's fighting for the homes that are out there. Because again, we started the year at fresh new all-time lows of inventory. That leads us to um, the other article you wrote for us last week, which was a new home sales rebound, but builders are still wary, right? We're talking about that inventory. Yeah, yeah, you know it's 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 so different. The new home sales sector really is so much different than the existing home sales market, and and that's been such a big theme of my work uh, over the years. That uh, new home sales slow and steady wins a race. We we had a little brief period of time where demand was really good to draw monthly supply inventory below four point three months, but uh, uh, demand is just moving along, and which means housing starts are just moving along. Uh, but the builders really pushed on a lot of cost to the consumer because they had pricing power, right? And it's much different than the existing home sales market where an existing seller has, you know, list of price and what, what they would take. Builders will protect their profit margins at all costs, and it's taking forever to close on a transaction. So they're also mindful about uh, higher bond yields. I mean, some of the builder stocks haven't been performing well because, you know, when rates rise, that's what happens. That's how that how, how Wall Street trades them. But uh, they don't want to see a 2018 repeat where everybody keeps on thinking, well, housing starts have to be booming because, you know, no, listen, they, in 5% mortgage rates, while it didn't really do much to the existing home sales markets, total inventory, it created a supply spike 
for the builders. So the builders are mindful, right? Uh, they're, they're, they'll push it along, but uh, they're here to make money. They're not here to help the existing home sales market because that's their biggest competitor, right? That is a massive, massive competitor with cheaper homes all over the place. So they're selling at what, you know, the last the last sales number came at 811,000 compared to an existing home sale market that came at 6.1 million. So it's a smaller marketplace, a more expensive marketplace that has a lot of input costs. So they're mindful of that. So when people say, why aren't the builders just building like crazy? Demand is good, but it's not booming. And this is why on a lot of the charts that I put on for Housing Wire articles is to show the difference between what we saw from 2002 to 2005 compared to now, right? We have very stable replacement buyer demand, but we don't have a housing boom in terms of sales just taking off. Really good. So you mentioned the um, 811,000. So that was a beat of estimates. But why didn't that make you go, oh, yeah, this is this, you know, I mean, you didn't get too excited about it. Well, if you if you look at those charts that I put in there, they show a very slow and steady uptrend, uh, uptrend from the lows in 2008. Right. Uh, and monthly supply, even though monthly supply fell uh, uh, to six months, uh, three month average is at 6.6 months. That's just an okay marketplace. That's how I look at it. I've always, I've always tried to define how I look at the new home sales market because people keep on pounding that we should be building more homes. We should build more homes and the builders are just, Hey, listen, we're going to build what we can sell. And guess what? It is taking forever to even, you know, finish these homes. And we don't want to all of a sudden, if rates for some reason rise higher and demand kicks down and we have all these homes that aren't even finished yet. So, there's just a lot of things that it, the, the pandemic happened in a, in a very unique time in our history where housing uh, demand is needed and it's, things just aren't working like they used to pre-COVID. And uh, it's going to take some time to get things back to normal. Again, as we've seen, there's supply issues all over the place. Well, let's talk about um, your forecast and, and how these how what's happening fits into your 2022 forecast. Well, you know, for, for the existing home sales market, um, my sales trends are actually lower uh, uh, this year than last year. Not by too much, but uh, I like to give sales ranges for there. For the new home sales market, because it wasn't a very booming uh, 2021, we have a room for growth there. Uh, again, if rates stay sub 4%, housing will be fine. The new home sales sector does get impacted first when rates go higher. Uh, so uh, in the in the previous expansion, this has happened a lot. I'd like to reference this in 2013 and 14 when rates went up, the new home sales sec- sector got got hit noticeably. Uh, even in 2018, while the existing home sale market didn't get hit, the new home sales get hit uh, historically. So the 10 year yield to them is something. Trust me, they're all watching it as well, right? So they're they're mindful of that. So again, not a booming sales year. Uh, uh, from last year, but stable replacement buyer demand. Because for me, it's all about that 6.2 million number. New homes and existing homes together, we should be able to get at least 6.2 million homes in order. That's my breaking point. We did that in 2020. We did that in 2021. It's Right now, it looks like we're going to do that again in 2022. But if the 10-year yield does rise and it gets above 4%, you will see, you'll see it impact the new home sales sector much faster than the existing home sale market. And you have been one of the ones that had your range for where mortgage rates could go uh, in the near term. I think the higher is 3.75. If- uh, three point, well, staying with the 1.94% yield, you could get 3.65. I mean, pricing could always get worse or better uh, on the edges. 
The only difference between this year than last year was that last year I could never talk about the 10-year yield getting above 1.94%. Yeah, we, we, we just weren't in that market. It was more about creating that range between 1.33 to 1.60, which means rates were going to be very low at yeah, 3%. But if global yields can rise, if Japan and Germany and the world economies could, could function normal again, you can get there. But again, as you can see, it is so difficult uh, to get to 4% plus. But I do give a premise. There is a way to get there this year that you couldn't happen the last year. But again, just not enough uh, there yet to hit that level. And spring season is coming soon. So uh, my concern is, again, another unhealthy year of price gains just because of what's happening with inventory. Well, you know what? People can find all of your work on HousingWire. Uh, you write under HW Plus, so people have to be members there. But also, we are hosting a virtual economic summit. Really exciting a forecast event on February eighth, and you're gonna you're gonna be there. Selma Hep from CoreLogic, Marina Walsh from MBA, Jeff Tucker from Zillow, and Sadie Gurley from Maxwell. We're gonna have a great time where you guys are all gonna talk about your forecast, and then we're gonna have a roundtable discussion where you're gonna answer questions from the audience. So I, anybody who's interested in this podcast is gonna want to be on there. Yeah, what a great time! I mean, it's uh, uh, you know. The world moves so fast that, you know, you have to look at things daily, weekly, you know, and things can change on a dime and narratives can change, uh, but a few things can't. And mother demographics stays the same always. It's it's the queen of the, of the economy. So uh, it's a very, very good time to have this conversation with those uh, economists there. I can't wait. I know it's going to be really fun. I'm I'm looking forward to moderating that and can't wait for that roundtable discussion, especially. But Logan, thank you as always for being on and uh, enlightening us and our audience about about what to expect on rates, bond yields, home buying, and more. Excellent. I'd love to be here, Sarah. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022. Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingware.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.